Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program, asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa wala. Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome to the book review podcast. It's been a while since I said that. I'm your host, Abu Abdurrahman, and I'm very pleased to be joined by my dear brother, Sheikh Farhan bin Rafi'ah bin Ahmad bin it's good to see you once again. It's been a while. On, in this studio. In yeah, this studio. It's, it's been a while. But you're literally upstairs every Monday night, like right on top of where you are now, pretty much. Alhamdulillah. That's still a, a blessing. For those who don't know, the Sheikh has a lesson every Monday night on top of Al Bayan radio station, which is Masjid Al Azhar Belmore. And he's going through the 40 hadith of Imam Nawi explaining it. Uh, I think what lesson 48 today was it? 48 hadith 30. Excellent. May Allah accept and uh, uh, allow us to benefit from these uh, beneficial lessons. Now, we'd like to welcome all our listeners, all our viewers watching and listening to Al Bayan Radio. And also uh, to all those watching on YouTube and Facebook, welcome. We'd love to hear from you during the the program. And this is uh, the book review podcast number six. You'll see in the links there on YouTube and Facebook the previous podcasts, the previous five, and also the clips for uh, certain books that we went over a while back. It's been a while, but it's good to be back, good to discuss this topic, good to discuss something we both enjoy mm. and love, and uh, one of us works with him every single day of his life, alhamdulillah. 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 For those who don't know, Sheikh uh, Farhan actually works in the Dar es Salaam bookstore in Lekemba. There with the whole team there. A big shout out, a big salam to the team <laughs> in Sydney and also to the brothers, uh, the Dar es Salaam in Melbourne, which I visited. And How was that? Well, they weren't there. So, <laughs> so I took a picture of an empty chair and I sent it to your elderly brother, Muaz. <laughs> but uh, one of the brothers, a nice brother, a, a worker there, uh, we met him. He was a very nice guy. I actually forgot his name. Muhammad. Muhammad. Muhammad, mashallah. Alhamdulillah, it was, a, it was a good experience. Nice, nice bookstore. And there's many on that road, that Sydney road there in Melbourne. Mm. I think, but like when it comes to books, don't worry about clothing yeah. and stuff. I don't think anyone can yeah, the can, book, can come in terms up. Terms of books, come, yeah, the Dar es Salaam there is. Yeah, Dar es Salaam. Yeah, that's alhamdulillah. Uh, alhamdulillah that that level of expertise expertise in and for now, yani, as it, it as it stands, the the books range can't be beaten. Yeah, alhamdulillah. 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 Now, um, what are we going to discuss tonight? Uh, look, I thought since we've we've been out of it and we're coming back in. I think it's today is for the actual readers. Um, let's go on to something that's important. Uh, I wanted to go through yani, a few things that are important. Uh, one, time management yeah, when it comes to reading, setting up your time. Uh, the the second thing that we want to go through is before you even buy a book. Yani now it feels like we've been out of it for I think it's like seven months. We haven't made a a podcast in a while. So I thought it, it'd be weird to just bring another book in without yani, doing another, not a muqaddima, but uh, just uh, before you buy a book, what to take heed of and what's some of the things, and specifically Arabic books at this, yani, this one is going to be focused on. Yep. But the time management thing goes to everyone. Um, now, I think that's the time management, especially when you have circumstances in your life change, for example, getting married. 
Yeah, that's. I think that's probably. I think I'm the one to blame. Why Some of us have got married. Got married recently. Yeah, alhamdulillah, got married seven months ago. Alhamdulillah, that's a fadl from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, big mercy of His. But I think that's why we stopped doing it. It's Subhanallah. I've been married for what six, seven months now, and we haven't made a lesson for six, seven months. So oh, I think I'm to blame. You're to blame. May Allah Subhanahu others. wa Taala forgive me. <laughs> uh, however, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala put barakah in, in in all of the marriages of the Muslims. Ya Rab. Um, but I think something that that is important genuinely is that يعني, when someone goes through whether it's marriage or whatever it is going through life يعني, where someone's studying or when someone's going through um, different phases of their lives they're going to be يعني, uh, approached by different things and different times that you know, circumstances change for every human being and so they have to meet it in a certain way or you can just you know wither away and just become used to just being normal and and just going with the flow and nothing really progresses and your library becomes a bit of a dust shelf and it you know everyone kind of whenever you meet brothers you know you haven't seen in a long time it's like hey what's what's happening what are you reading um oh, it's just life's a bit busy everything's a bit busy everything's a bit much Everything, no time no time no and I genuinely think all of these things yeah alhamdulillah some people are just mashallah very busy genuinely they're very very busy but there are a lot of times where we just mismanage our time and uh, a lot of the issues that I see that people have with uh, time management and always saying that they're busy is a mis- mismanagement of their time and looking at doing things that aren't important and, and prioritizing their time wrong and it's something that's unfortunate يعني, but you see it day in day out day in day out that people will do um, things that are less important on their to-do list than others and they prioritize things that they shouldn't and they get eventually nothing worthwhile done and then they just get stuck in a rut and it's like a cycle and it never ends it's your whole life خلاص if you don't break that cycle you just you're never getting out of it yeah you know what a question i think of is it, do you think it's the actual amount of time or the blessings we have in our time both both yani yes yeah like for instance if someone is sleeping 14 hours a day then it's time right you don't have enough time with your eyes opened genuinely there are something that yani some people who don't have work some people who uh, do whatever i'm not saying if you're sick or whatever like i'm saying just generally people who don't have a proper routine or what not and um are going through certain things in their life whatever it may be but there are certain people who just sleep in 12 hours 13 hours yani we say six people six hours is normal right but there are people who are just like just bed all day or bed and netflix all day or bed and youtube all day right there is that i count that as part of it right so for instance if you wake up and your first thing is get your phone out and let me just scroll through tiktok or the shorts on youtube or whatever it is right the facebook stories or the facebook shorts come on now yani if you just go through that then your time's going to be affected yani you don't have time right now and obviously that in turn is going to turn into baraka lost in your time too So it's like yeah it's both but it's also one and the other as well but the baraka aspect of it 1 million percent I don't want to drag too much off topic but honestly as well the 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 sin affects the baraka in your time 100% 100% it affects the but knowledge you that wanna, you may gain and 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 reading of 1 million percent 1 million percent but if you look at the kuffar right and look at the really successful kuffar the ones that are successful in this dunya not the akhirah right some of them are working 20 hour days Some of them are working 18 hour days, 19 hour days. Some of them they breathe their work, they they all they talk about is their work. They're just in it for the dunya. They're just in it. 
and they make millions of while people are asleep they'll make what يعني, they do in people's lifetimes right like what an average person will make in a lifetime they'll do it in while, while others are sleeping but if you look at like the really successful people they always say you know we wake up at 6am 5am 4am يعني, if you look at some of the really elite sports stars right some of the really like in the NBA and stuff it's like we get training done before people even wake up like we wake up and we train before يعني, the rest of our competitors are even up we've already done two hours and I've heard this like I've, I've like you see uh, like I don't want to drop names right I don't want that's not what this podcast is for but يعني, you see that they wake up at 3 4 5 a.m and we're encouraged to do that from a religious aspect and a religious perspective but we don't do it right because we and it comes down to a few things and it's ultimately not following the prophetic method of sleeping after Isha or sleeping early that's the prophetic method of you sleep early you wake up early okay let's let's we've spoken about some of the issues some of the challenges some of the difficulties now what's the solution follow the prophetic method in terms of sleep so sleep it comes early. it comes before even sleep bro it comes to eating your eating patterns and your sleeping patterns are the most important things in your life yani obviously in a non dini aspect right um if you're eating 10 minutes before you sleep and you eat like the craziest meal that you can find yani i'm talking about a triple patty um burger with like extra cheese and like the stuff that i'd like right the stuff that like gets me going like a a fried chicken burger with like i'm told that if you did that before you slept averagely not like a one off 5 minutes 10 minutes before you sleep do you think you're going to get good sleep Do you think you'll be able to sleep? I can't sleep if like you know how they say I'm haddaming. Yeah. I, I I've got a food coma. I can't sleep. I can't I can't I can't get up. I can't. Like I use the Lebanese Arab there. Muhammad. No, but يعني I've grown up all, all my life in Bankstown and Greenacre. Bro. You can't can't blame me. But um يعني Muhammad. <laughs> Everything has a in at the end of it. But يعني if you first like if you're not going to have i'm not saying eat proper foods eat your greens and stuff like that. i don't care about that i care about the timing of your last meal if it's 5 minutes before you're sleeping you're not going to get a good sleep you're going to you're going to just be uncomfortable the sleep the 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 thing that's happening in your body the focus is not rest now it's let me break down this meal and let's be frank as well eating good eating clean look is, that's, is, i can't preach that cuz i don't care about yeah, that yeah i'm not you saying know? we are but <laughs> i'm saying i'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be yeah, anyway, I, disclaimer, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not a health guru but sometimes i know what i'm talking about no, what we're saying is you eat clean you eat good you eat pure obviously halal One million it, it does help One million help percent. you One million in your day to day halal and tayyiba right that's the that's the pr- yeah. that's the method that we're supposed to it's not just halal it's Lawful supposed to be good for you pure Yeah, it's supposed to be good, good food. Something that's rich in nutrients, something that's rich for you, for your body. Something that's going to upkeep you. So that's the first thing. Eating timings, right? Okay, not eating. I'm not talking about the specific foods. I'm saying what affects your time frame is going to be eating time, right? So an hour or two before you do anything. Then the second is sleep. So, yani they say, for instance, like the effect of of phones, blue light on your eyes. before you sleep Excellent. affects the type of sleep that you have put your phone away completely if you need an alarm clock and this is something that i need to do i need to get an i use this as an alarm clock but if you needed to do something properly get an alarm clock to wake you up right but having the blue light and looking at it that actually it's it's actually proven now that that affects the type of sleep that you and have now there's options to turn that off there's like, the, like, like blue light in the night mode samsung like yeah, there's the eye comfort shield there's also the dark mode 
Yeah, so these like stuff, that. like all of these things affect your sleep. And they say that the, the effect of blue light on sleep is one of them, like the blue light comes from, if someone doesn't know what blue light is, it's the light that comes from like the screens that you have. So your, your TV, your computer, your laptop, your Tablet iPad, too. your phone. It, it affects, it's a type of light that kind of keeps you awake. It's a light that it kind of tricks the brain in f- thinking that you're outside and you're you're in a process where you're not really inside. It's just a way to keep you up. And that affects the actual type of light that you look at. It has an effect of your rest and what's coming after as well. So that's all of that stuff is very important, bro. Like I, I have blue light glasses, um, like just glasses that I, I use yes. to actually when I'm going through this, like when I'm going through my lessons or whatever I'm doing, if I'm researching on my phone or my, my laptop, I'll try to wear that as much as I can at home. Um, so that's something that's on the side. Then the sleep itself, sleep at a time that's early and give yourself a good amount of time, a good amount of rest to wake up early and make sure that it's before Fajr. Yes. That's, that's something that's, Obviously you that's have to important. Fulfill your obligations first 100%. before you worry about that which is No, I'm saying if someone can wake up five to ten minutes before Fajr, the amount of of just barakah that adds in your day is yeah. unbelievable. As we know, the best prayer after the obligatory is the night prayer. Is the night prayer, right? So if someone can just, Sheikh Faiz, Hafizahullah, he gave us this, like, Back in the days when the fatawa classes were happening in Auburn, he was like, "If you can't pray the entire night, just pray two rakat at night, just before fajr. Just two, just two units. Don't. I'm not talking eleven. I'm not talking. Just do two, just do two units." So I was like, "Okay, you know what? Let's." So if someone can wake up before fajr, and if they can just do two units of prayer, even if it's like kulawahat kulabrabinas, it is. You don't understand. That's gonna help you through your thing. So through your day. So I reckon sleep. So food. Digital, yani your, your, the social media and everything that's happening on the phones and your laptops and stuff, that all has it. And the time of when you go to sleep. All of that has an effect on your, this is where it comes to, has an effect on your output and what you're able to do in your personal life. So, yani we're talking in the, everything that we're talking about is in the context of talab al-ilm, studying knowledge, pursuing knowledge. So, everything that, all of that has an effect of how much knowledge you can pursue and what, how much you can pursue and how much you can yani, disseminate, how much you can actually take in and how much you can then spread, inshallah. But if you can't read and you can't even make the time for it, it's impossible. It's impossible. So, if someone is waking up, praying fajr uh, yani, in the house, and then goes back to sleep. And this is the case. Sometimes you're just wrecked. You know what I mean? And you wake up 10 minutes, 20 minutes before work. And then you're getting up. Where did you study? Can't study at work. You got work obligations. You can't study after work because you got family obligations. You can't study after actually because then you got private. You got your family now. Your actual spouses. And you got. What do you do? When do you make time for your studies? That's the thing. You have to make time if you're really serious. If you're really serious, and I think the most important time for any student of knowledge, the serious students of knowledge, where the Prophet says his barakah in, is the morning. We have been blessed in our mornings. We've been blessed. That's the prophetic statement. That This ummah, that this, this nation, its blessing is found in its mornings. So what does that mean? Is that we have to be active in that mornings. And the morning doesn't start, يعني, like... 9 a.m. like the kuffar, right? It's 8 a.m. morning. Our morning at Fajr is at Fajr. So right now, it's very early. So you can be up and at it right in the morning. And I think that is probably one of the most forgotten times of our nation. And but يعني, in, our, in a Western context, it's the most dead time in our lives. Your kids don't, you know, kids aren't up. 
if you have kids. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant anyone who wants kids, get them kids. Ya Rab. Anyone <laughs> who's married. If someone, their kids aren't up in the morning time. And your wives, usually doing their own thing, they're not really, you know, it's a time where it's very, very quiet in the house, right? At no one's going to work in the morning, usually. I'm talking about a general, yani, Household It's a time where work usually starts at 8, 9, 10 You have 3, 4 hours guaranteed It's a time you don't have to take your kids to school You don't have to get anyone ready You don't have to do anything and you're, All of that starts at 7.30 I'm saying what are you doing from 5? What are you doing from 6? So that is a very very good hour and a half 2 hours, 3 hours That you can really maximise what you do And if it wasn't for that time Where else can you study in a western context? Because you got a nine to five, and then you're spending an hour in traffic, and you're doing. When are you doing your actual talab al Yeah, you can do a class at night. Okay, hectic. That's an hour, give or take. When are you actually? I met a brother, subhanallah, recently, who says, and he was going through jamaa uh, tirmidhi. He was going through tafsir uh, tabari, and he was like, I'm doing, I'm doing like seventy pages a day. How are you doing seventy pages a day? So he was like. Three hours, like I, um, after Fajr, I do like three hours. And after, I do like half an hour, as much as I can. I do 70 pages of that. I'm like, bro, you're a tank. You're a, that's beast. You know what I mean? Like, he'll be finished in a mujallad. He'll, he can actually finish a mujallad in about a week. Say average, say three, four hundred pages. Mm. You can finish a volume in a, in a week. Let's go back to what type of reading as well. 100%. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that, right? But I'm saying for that person in three and a half hours, he couldn't have found the time at night. He's doing it after Fajr. And I genuinely believe there's a type of barakah in there that you can just get more done. 100%. Or it's a different type of reading where you're fully aware, fully يعني, involved in what you're reading. So that, that, that hour, two hours, three hours in that morning, you can get what you normally do at night when your brain is tired. It'll take an extra half an hour, two hours maybe. If you do two hours, it'll take like you cutting the time down as well. So you're actually saving time. Okay, what do we say to the night owls? The night owls? Use the night. Some people may work in the afternoon shift. Some people may, you know. Okay, so it, it like... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the heavens and the earth in a certain way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us why the night was set for us, that it's a time for us to rest. So the human body is set in a certain way, right? So yes, you can ultimately change your body clock, 100%. You can do that eventually with a lot of tension, a lot of pressure. And you never get used to it, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> right? My so, experience very soon. <laughs> so, like, there are brothers, yani, subhanAllah, but the sharia is complete. Right. 100%. So even for instance, when it comes to, for instance, I I I know we're on like radio and stuff, but when it comes to masail of marriage, right, uh, the Sharia talks about how to be just with your spouse, mm. and so it talks about yani the night issues, and there's a masala in there. If someone has, I don't know if you want to say it, but in the Islamic context, if the the brother is not able to be, do be just with his spouse. Is, um, and what does he do at night if he can't if he's like for instance if he's not a Layli and if he's not someone who's at, uh, a person who's up at night mm. it talks about them being just in the morning making sure that they're just in the mornings and he's, he's just, subhanallah the yeah. religion covers everything right that was probably the most uh, obvious uh, example that's given in the sharia but 
obviously if someone is يعني, got a different perspective he's waking up and sleeping at a different time he has to do his rounds too he has to do whatever he has to do too so then it just depends on when he falls asleep and when it is but when he wakes up he still has that time frame it's the same thing just in re- reversed يعني, it's the upside down method so he'll go to sleep usually after fajr i've met these brothers they usually sleep after fajr but they'll wake up at like say dhuhr or asr they'll get that five hours in and so i'd say that moment they grab it by the hands but usually the brothers that they do it at night it's not the same baraka you see mm. them that they're tired you see that their bodies are not holding up very well they can do it for so long mm. but it's just you see that they do, because like for instance they might have like a few days off and then they have to reverse the cycle for the two days and then they have to get back on the it's crazy It's crazy. So look, if someone has obviously the same method, but you just reverse it and make it fit your schedule. But that early morning is when we have our barakah. So if you're sleeping through it, you're sleeping through it. That's your issue. Okay. Um, we're not going to get into what we're going to actually read in that time. We'll leave that for another time, mm. a, a program for a student of knowledge. We've spoken about Quran before and what to read from the Quran and basic tafsir. So that's an ideal mm. place to start for those who missed out on the previous mm. podcast. You can go back. And review it. Okay, that's time planning. Mm. Plan your time wisely. Um, and that's very important for students of knowledge. In the mornings. That's very important Make for students. Make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 100%. Avoid sin. Give everyone their rights. Mm. If you're married especially. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> But I genuinely think that's for students of knowledge in the West. When we talk about, oh, there's not enough time in the day. I can't do this. I can't do that. I genuinely think it's because of time management. I genuinely believe it. With all my heart of hearts, I genuinely believe that people are not using their time properly and that's why we're like a lot of people complain that oh I'm too busy. Are you really too busy or are you mismanaging your time? I genuinely think I that like, it comes I like back. how you use mismanaging. I like to use time wasting. We've become very very uh, how can we say experts at time wasting. You, you know what the stuff? scariest thing in the world you know, was we're bro? all to blame like we all fall into it. Bro, you know the on on the on the iPhone when they came up with uh, how much time you've used on your phone that was the scariest thing in my life yeah. when i found that out bro like i think it's like what you use on social media i don't want to actually say how much i'm on uh that would be very very upsetting for me but like when someone like is is your phone is telling you that you spent three hours on facebook two hours on youtube that's five hours of social media if they're saying your average screen time is 10 hours nine hours eight hours that's bro amazing. you're awake for like 12 hours what are you doing i mean <laughs> anjad like what are you actually doing so if your time i'm not saying for the brothers that work on their phones i'm not saying any every but if you're actually show, if it's showing that you have you don't have, you don't work on youtube you know you're not a streamer or a platform provider or something and it's showing that you spent over an hour on youtube a day you got issues you're mismanaging your time you're wasting your time 1 million percent and as students of this is why i'm saying what comes first and foremost before like anything people always say i can't read because i don't have time I can't read because I have family. I can't have I have commitments. I can't read. I have work. I just say there's always time. You just have to make it. You always just have to make it. That's on time. Excellent. Barak And that's why it's important for the student knowledge. That's 100%. why we're getting it. Okay, what are we moving to next? We've spoken about time management. And now when someone does find time and does find a book, we're not talking about what book. We're talking about for instance someone wants to read a book. Now what do they I need two of the we're talking now this shifts specific. before it was for general for everyone now we're specifically talking about arabic books and we're talking about two things to consider three things to consider afwan when purchasing an arabic book what to consider and the word tahqiq comes in takhrij comes in and taba'a comes in the word tahqiq of for instance just analyzing the manuscripts 
or the analysis of the manuscripts or just making sure that it's uh, textual accuracy, if that's what you want to call it. Mm. The second is takhrij, which is finding rulings on the actual um, ahadith and the athar that are there. And we'll go through each one. And the taba'a, the print, the publisher. And these are three things that everyone has to look at when purchasing, generally speaking, an, Ar- uh, an Arabic book. And inshallah, we'll go through when doesn't it matter. When doesn't it matter? So these are basically يعني, the measuring stick of should I buy this book or should I not buy this book? Or what book to buy? They both have the same names. They both have the same authors. Which one should I buy? And this happens all the time. Anyone who knows, يعني, who's purchased the book is very, very important, but no one really teaches it to you. It's very, very important. But it's like something that you get it, you get burned a few times and then you figure it out. You learn. You learn through your mistakes. And we're just saying, hey, we want to save you a couple of tips and trips to the stores and making wrong mistakes and inshallah, we're going to save you. And the third one, it actually affects English books as well, the prints. 100%. It affects English. The first two, not so much, but the last one, definitely. Because you really want to remove that it's just a book, but they're all the same. It's papers and ink. <sighs> Especially for you. It's the same, bro. Did he say that? Did he just say that? <laughs> they want to remove that? Triggered. Yeah, that's a trigger. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Too close we're to not going to speak about price today because no, we'll no. speak about it another time. But this all affects price, hundred percent. But mm. that's what we're saying, and, and it does depend on budget. Later on, we'll speak about that. But this takes time. One million percent. Someone who is new, mm. he's going to have that attitude. She's new. She's, you know, it's just a book. It's got. Why is this? Why is this in six volumes? Why is it in one? They don't understand. Hundred uh, percent. So, and it's you feel sad sometimes. That's what we're trying in, in these podcasts. And like, okay, I'll tell you why this is important. Attitude. In the first, I mean, when I was in Medina, when I was in Medina, <clears throat> yes, uh, one of the brothers, he got he got trigger happy. Uh, <laughs> or he he got happy. everything. He got happy. He went to the book fair, and he's like, Farhan, I need you to check out my books. Allah khair, because I had like, I'm not saying I had a reputation. Right, that I had a, a, a books, and I knew like uh, the like which prints to get. I, I kind of with the Australian students. I hope they 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 knew that they only they could ask me. A few brothers really took that, and they they used to ask me about before buying books, what to buy, how to buy, what when to buy, and and when book fairs came out, I was always in the book fair, and I was like, it was Eid for me. I was it was like a kid at the lolly shop, you know what I mean? Like oh. Book fair. Um, that was the best time, right? Like, um, book fair time was the best. So, one brother, a beautiful brother, I'm not going to mention names, I'm not going to even mention the state because you will all find him if you guys found out who he was. So, it's someone uh, who's, uh, who went to Jamia Islamiya, Islamic University in Medina, and he had some money and it was a sizable amount. And he came and uh, he went and he went to the store and he's like, I had a bunch of books that I wanted. Of the Ummahat, the things that everyone needs. Bukhari, Muslim, Fathul Bari, Sir Alam al Isaba. Like all the very, very important books that you want. Tafsir ibn Kathir. What, name it. He had a list. And he went to a shop. And it was one of the first shops, Allahu Alam, that he saw. Or the shop that said, I have it all. I have it all. So it's like, a, oh, hectic. This guy has everything that I need, right? So he went there and he dropped money. He he dropped money, hey! Well, he they he spent big bucks. Was it a suitcase money or like it was a good envelope? It <laughs> was a back. good envelope, right? Hey, over there in Saudi, five hundred is the biggest umlah, right? Yeah. It's not fifty. Yes, that's it. Right, so it's not it's not we're not talking fifty. He's doing it five hundred. Anyways, it then, yeah. the brother drops drops money, and then 
it hits him, I should have asked Farhan. And then he's like, Farhan, can you come? Just check out my books to see if I did okay. I went into this room and I just took one look at the shelf. It was one, two, three. It was four shelves. Full, decked out. Completely decked out. Right? I'm talking about he had, name it, he had it. Right? Of like the Ummahat. Now, if we just pause here mm. before you tell us what you did, he'll be over the moon. He'll he was be happy. happy. He was joyous. shelves. You just, you know, I just dropped money. You, and, you, and, and not only that, I wanted these books and I got these books. I wanted them and I got them. I'm happy. And then someone told him, hey, you should really talk to Farhan. And then so he calls me over and I went to his room and he was like in building 13 or building 15 or something. It was one of the newer buildings. And I rocked into this guy's brother's room. And uh, I walked in, I took one step, and I was like, why didn't you call me? <laughs> why didn't you call me? Like, what did you do? Like, why didn't you call me? I said, inna lillahu inna ilayhi I was like, you just wasted, like, over 10 grand. Like, in, in Saudi reality, it's just like, what? Like, say, four or five grand Australian. Um, plus, he actually, it was actually... So what was the main that. mistake? The, the prints, printing? The prints that he chose were, like, in... The bottom of the food chain. Mm. Mistakes in prints. And this is why it's important. So why I'm getting to it. He bought the wrong book in every field. DKI? DKI. <laughs> and not just that. He got Egyptian prints. And not all Egyptian print is bad. I'm saying he got the worst of them. A lot of them are. He got like, he got bad. And he the thing is, it wasn't even cheaper. He got gypped as well, bro. Mm. So it's the same price tag sometimes. You're paying an amount. And... It's worthless. It's not even worth the paper that it's on. That's how bad it is. So why is it? So then we go through three things. Tahqiq. What does tahqiq mean? So the olden days, we have to go back, all right? Back in the day, there wasn't printing press. There wasn't يعني, a system of, I can manuscript, يعني, I have a book and I want to print out a thousand copies. I do it like in a day or two days. It wasn't like that. How we do it today. Print on demand was a thing. But wasn't a thing that was automated, right? It was humans involved. So then you had manuscripts. So a person will write a book, a manuscript. And this book then goes to يعني, his student. And a student writes out the book. Okay? Uh, or يعني, there's a manuscript. We'll just go through different possibilities. This is, we'll just go with that one. So the student writes out his book. And so his book is written according to the, the teacher's book. Right? So I want you to just have an example. Right, Imam Nawawi rahmatullah writes Riyadh Salihin. Riyadh Salihin. So Imam Nawawi writes it. Say it's one volume. Then he gives it to his student, and his student writes it out. Okay. Now his student writes it out. Now his copy is from the copy of the person who wrote it. Now imagine this goes out a bunch of times, right? So then it comes in the hands of a person who wants to sell the book. So then. They go to a scribe, someone whose job is literally write this on paper and write as many as you can. Right? So then he starts writing this out. So there were good ones, there were bad ones, and there were things in between. So some of them, for instance, they got after someone, like I give you my book. You copy out my book, 100 pages. Then someone copies your book, 100 pages. Then someone copies his book. So now how far is that away from me? Right? Human error. Some things you should see the manuscripts. It's so hard to read. So hard to read. Some authors didn't know their own books 
because they would go subhanallah this is how it went one of the scholars went to the yani the bookshop and he saw a book and <laughs> there's two stories of this two editions of these stories one of the stories is that he goes to a bookshop and then he buys a book and then comes home and figures out that this is my book i wrote this book and this is my handwriting he didn't even know when he was looking at it in the bookstore and there's another one that he goes out to a bookstore and he sees a handwriting and he says finally i found someone whose handwriting is worse than mine goes home and figures out that it was his handwriting the entire time Allah. you have to understand that it's not yani it wasn't mainstream it's not this one font times new roman nine font double spacing beautiful pages it wasn't like that right so human error they used to write sometimes books and on the corners they used to write different books in different fields manuscripts are crazy and al-hamish is a different book on the sides of the book is a different book it's uh, it's unbelievable because paper wasn't is a is a, is a commodity bro at back in the day it wasn't as widespreadly available and now it's getting scarce again but it wasn't as available readily available as today so i'm saying so you have manuscripts so i'm saying so for instance some of these manuscripts are, th- are like 500 years old 600 years old so you have to look at which manuscript is closest to the author which manuscript and it's a science right they teach this as a as an as a subject in university so which manuscript has was checked by the author or a student of the author which manuscript is closest to the author's one so then there are some for instance tafsir ibn kathir right it's a very important book it has hundreds of manuscripts so then someone has to go through which of the best manuscripts are there 10 of the best manuscripts which are the closest which ones are the most readable which ones do we have all of them are complete some manuscripts are missing some manuscripts pages are missing chapters are missing words are missing right through age and decay you don't understand it's a science so the aim of tahqiq is finding the words of the author in the author's word in the complete manner finding it in its complete form and as most accurate as possible so for instance some manuscripts like some books they'll say that it was based on a manuscript that was accepted by the author or by the students of an author or that was to the manuscript itself of the author right so it's all five manuscripts or 10 manuscripts trying to find what is the best manuscript and what's the closest to it because sometimes some parts of it there's ink stains there's st- there's from some parts have been completely decayed the ink has come you know what i'm saying like it's it's crazy so the aim of the muhaqqiq the person who's doing it is trying to find out with meticulous accuracy what did he intend without dropping anything and without adding anything finding textual accuracy of what this what this author wrote in this book that's the main aim of a muhaqqiq and subhanallah it's a, again it's a complete science but if you don't understand the science and you don't understand manuscripts and you don't understand what's going on and you get a wahid to come in some bloke just on a typewriter right or a computer and he's looking at it, yeah it looks pretty good yeah hectic mad awesome and the problem is that some people they just want to print out a book for sales right so oh my god this guy wrote this book this only one we don't need to check it or anything if we print this out we'll sell a thousand today so do it quickly don't worry about time quickly get it done quickly and that's the main aim of the muhaqqiq now 
this محقق he just goes oh I just want to get this done just want to get this done don't worry about what's dropped what's there what's missing what's not let's not see if the if this is not even his work himself right so Egypt has this problem for instance some of the Egyptian authors, some of the Egyptian publishers they print out books not even of the authors so some guys put and wrote a book slapped Ibn al-Qayyim's name on it and said Bismillah that's gonna sell that's gonna sell that's good done and they'll, you know, so that's, you have to be very, very careful. So that's the aim of a muhaqqi. That's why it's very important to always know. And in every book of the modern Arabic books, they actually have a whole dirasa on the introduction, a whole study of how a book was meticulously done. And they'll even give you sample pages of the manuscripts, if it's a good one, if it's a good book. And I'm talking about like some books, like for instance, Sahih al-Bukhari, that was just printed last year, December last year or something like that, from Bayt al-Sunnah, a new edition of Sahih al-Bukhari, took 10 years to properly do the, tah- the tahqiq of it. Oh, Akbar. 10 years. The Sheikh was on it for 10 years of many multiple manuscripts that he had gone through himself. And there was a team behind it. 10 years it took to do it properly. So it's not just, oh, I got Bukhari. No, but like, what was the manuscripts they used? Is it textually accurate? Is it accurate to what Imam Bukhari wrote? Is the wordings hundred? You have to understand the wordings of this religion is very important. Add a word, minus a word, you got a different ruling. Mm, that's right. Right. So the meticulous nature of this is very, very important. So that's what tahqiq is. So you have to know: how, is this book muhakkak? Some books, it's not even like no one's actually gone through it. So it's like, all right, done, just done. They don't even write who's the muhaqqiq. And this is now phasing out slowly, but it's still present. So that's the first thing, tahqiq. Make sure that it's a good tahqiq. How do you know it's a good tahqiq? What have the scholars talked about, about this issue? What are the manuscripts? Have they defined what are they looking for in the manuscripts? What are they basing it on? What are the things that they said they focused on? It's all written in the inter- before, the inter- before the introduction of the author. This is from the actual person who's giving you the book. So it's very, very important. And sometimes, it, yes, it makes a, mis- a, a massive difference to the book that you're reading because sometimes things can be missing in the book. Things can be added in the book. Things can be taken away from the because just I, I, on his cave. Like if he wants to do it, yeah, all right, done. And some, some wording, subhanAllah, have been added onto some of the books of the Salaf and some of the books of the Imams just because yani, clear-cut deviants did the works. So it's very, very important that you understand where it's coming from. Who's, what's the reason behind it? Why are they doing it? And what are they doing? And you have to sometimes, yani, like it's, it makes a massive difference. Massive difference on the book that you're going to read. A very, very, like the, like the Bukhari is an example. Zad al-Ma'ad is another example. Zad al-Ma'ad is a book that every person in Sirah loves. Everyone, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi Everyone knows that that's a, a go-to. If you're going to do Sirah, you have to read Zad al-Ma'ad. So before there was one edition, uh, there was a, a bunch of editions, but they were all based on just one manuscript or two manuscripts. And there was mistakes that were carried through from the manuscripts. So what did Dar al-Fawaid, which is now called Ata'at al-Ilm, and it's now been published by Dar ibn Hazm, what did they do? They went to the manuscripts again, and they found mistakes that were, they called it, like people have called it, not they called Fahish. Mistakes that were grave errors. Big mistakes. Like for instance, attributing certain things to Ibn al-Qayyim of the Prophet. Like, so, like just next level mistakes, mm-hmm. right? Things that make or break type stuff. That they found grave issues in the book, right? So that's what you have to make sure that you're whatever you're looking at is a good tahqiq, 
it's done properly. It's done by scholars and tulab alam, students of knowledge. That's the first thing. Then you look at takhrij. It's always it's always on every book. Hukik, like the tahqiq is done by so and so, and the takhrij is done on so and so by so and so. Takhrij, what it is? So every book in Islamic in, in Islamic book will have hadith and athar, statements of the Prophet and statements of the companions and the salaf. Can we call it sourcing and grading the hadith? Maybe sourcing and grading. Yeah, that's done. That's that's better than what I did. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy um, So basically Firstly Modern takhrij Is not takhrij How we do takhrij So the muhaddithin Takhrij for us Has a specific meaning When we studied takhrij We used to يعني, There's a difference between Takhrij And azu Azu is sourcing mm, And okay. takhrij is grading And sourcing It's both so, for instance, I want to show a difference between it. So, if someone tells me that this hadith is found in Muslim Imam Ahmad or in Bayhaqi, right? Sunan al-Kubra, for instance. What benefit does that have to me as a reader that I know that this is in chapter 4 of Sahih, uh, of, of, uh, of Muslim Imam Ahmad or in Bayhaqi? And I don't know if it's authentic or not. You haven't really done anything for me. You've just sent me to another place. So, we call that azu. We don't call that as takhrij. But modern takhrij today, how people now print books, they'll just tell you where the hadith is. They'll say this hadith is in Muslim Imam Ahmad, this hadith is in Shu'ab al-Iman, this hadith is in this book and this book and this book. But they don't really help me in telling me what the actual ruling of the hadith is. Is sahih, is daif. Very important. And that's where like, you have to be a bit more careful. You won't find modern proper takhrij, generally speaking, on every hadith. It's very hard. But that sourcing, at least, it's very important because sometimes, for instance, the author will say, tirmidhi this hadith. And in Tirmidhi is a hadith, so and such and such hadith. But he made a mistake. It's actually in Ibn Majah. Or in, for instance, not even in the six, it's in Muwatta. So the, the proper mukharrij, the proper one who's doing the takhrij, he will say, no, this hadith isn't in Tirmidhi. It's actually in or for instance, he will say, this is in a manuscript of Tirmidhi that's found in this area. And it's not found in this manuscript that's found in another area. And that happens with Tirmidhi or Abi Dawood and other books as well. So some things that were found in um, the East and something that was found in other parts. So that's another can of worms, right? Another whole issue that you have to find. So Takhrij is now split into two. Azwul Hadith, sourcing the Hadith and the Hukum al-Hadith, the Hukum of the Hadith itself. So the ruling of the hadith Is it sahih, is it da'if, is it mawdu' What is it? Am I taking this hadith? Am I not taking this hadith? So modern takhrij Now generally speaking Will take you just back to Ihala and will take you back to Azul hadith We'll just tell you where to find it And then you have to do your one, two, three Of finding out whether a hadith that is That one, two, three We're going to have it That's a whole it, that's a, that, that, was, that was a We took that in like four semesters Or three semesters in the university It was long it's not an easy process of finding whether a hadith is sahih or daif. That's a whole different issue. Okay, now, first you had tahqiq, which was credi- credibility of the text and finding, yani bringing it into textual accuracy or whatever you want to call it. And the second would be sourcing and grading, which is takhrij. And then the third, that now you have a book that is properly written out and it's been sourced and referenced and it's been graded on. Now it needs to be printed. Now you need to bring this to the masses. You need to get a person to come and say, okay, I'll sell this to the people for you. And this is another issue. 
there are some people who take that manuscript and then get that properly into print and some that stuff up. And there was a book, I'm not going to mention the book because the Sheikh has passed away, Rahmatullah and he was not happy with how the book got published. But there were, he spent maybe 20 years on the book, probably longer, right? And he gave it to them perfect. Like he was, it was, he gave them to, to, the, to the publisher in a very good state. And when it got printed, there were some chapters where there was no writing in it. The, the actual editing that they did was screwed it up. So they took the Sheikh's hard work and they printed it and they made mistakes, whether it was in writing or they made mistakes because the Sheikh was handwritten. The Sheikh, or even if it was typewriting, but they have to make it into their own formatting. They have to do their own thing. And in publish, in during publication, it screwed up. And the Sheikh was so upset. Sheikh was so upset. And before he died, I don't even know. He was telling me and my father, he was he it got published in another country. He gave the rights to another company. And then he worked on it again because he had to work on it just to fix up the issues that came arise from the first edition. And before he passed away, um, I had met him maybe a year before he passed away, six months before he passed away, and the new edition hadn't even reached him. Now he just it just hurt. It just hurt. So sometimes the publication of a book means a lot. The actual publisher. Are they a good publisher? Do they do things properly? Are there mistakes in their books? Because the mistakes don't come from the ulama. They come from a guy on a typewriter. They come from a guy who's maybe not even a student of knowledge, who's doing it as a day job. So there are some publishers who are known to be perfect public, like really good publishers. Like in, in Egypt, for instance, Dar Ta'seel, the gold hadith books, right? They're known to have some of the best tahqiq and the best prints of any of the books that they print it's just known they have mistakes 100% they've made mistakes but like it's known that these guys are really good they're really really solid so you know that that publication whatever book you get from it is kind of good in English I said that this matters in English as well right in English where does publication come to a point very very important in two ways some of these really shocking shonky places now publish English books so, for instance, you can get Sahih al-Bukhari, nine volumes, Darus Salam. Or you can get a four-volume edition for like 100 bucks cheaper, and it's printed by DKI, Dar Kutub Almiya. You run away from the second, like the plague. <coughs> you run away completely, right? Why? They make mistakes in translation. They make mistakes in printing. They do the whole works, <coughs> right? You're okay, Habibi? <laughs> um, I think we're going on for too long. Is that what the? Is, no, no. Uh, if you want, we can we can cut back. No, let's let's finish this point. Um, so th- this is very, the second one is even more important, right? So the first point is that they make mistakes in publication, in in translation issues. They make mistakes in the whole works, right? So you're reading tr- Google Translate, maybe even worse. So that's one issue. The second issue is <laughs> that you get sometimes publications who print books of great scholars uh, my co-host is, is on the borderline of dying here <laughs> give me well, give us a long life to protect out my co-host and the rest of the believers Ya Rab Amen. <laughs> so the first one you want, to, you want me to do that again so the first one is basically you have some prints of English books who print out very important books but they make the same mistakes in English the second is that you have sometimes deviant publications and they print out books of 
great scholars, but they add their two cents in there as well. So for instance, a book of Ibn al-Qayyim or Shaykh al-Islam and Taymiyyah printed out by a left Sufi wing type publication. Now they're only publishing it because there's a reason why they're publishing it. And sometimes, and I've told this to some people who buy books from, from me, because we have that, some of them, I've told them read the book because the actual translation is amazing, but do not read the, tra- the actual introduction. Don't read it. The introduction of the authors or the, introdu- uh, the introduction of the translators, don't read it. Why? It's because they've put the two cents in and they've twisted and warped the book completely. They've given you like a, 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 like a jump start, but they've jump started you in the wrong direction. And now the way that you're reading the book is in complete shambles. So sometimes, yes, reading a book of printed by certain people, the book might be okay, but sometimes just in the introduction, they might have something or the index, they might have say something. So it's not from the actual work of the author, but they've put their two cents in there. So sometimes, yes, even in English books, this comes in there. And I don't want to drop, should we drop? Yani which publications, for instance, um, like for instance, the Islamic Text Society, right? Uh, they printed some of Ibn al-Qayyim, rahmatullahi works. Mm. And in the introduction, they make Ibn al-Qayyim complete, yani almost full-fledged Ash'ari, Sufi, right? So if you take his other works, yani you just pick and choose quotes, right? But you don't take the other works of Ibn al-Qayyim, Right, how he has yani, so many works, subhanAllah, just take a pick, right? Or yani, how he talks about yani, the, his sheikh's uh, uh, positions and what he affirmed. Take whatever you want, right? But if you take Sawa'iq al Mursala, for instance, if you take right, the very, very important books of um, Ibn al Qayyim, right? So, and you see his real position on the Jahmiyyah and Ahlul Kalam, and you see his real position on. Aqidah and methodology But misrepresenting it By picking cherry picking quotes And then putting that in the introduction I don't think that's textually fair um, And it's It might Allahu alam, It might come into um, Being te- dishonest in your Intellectual dishonesty When you're presenting something That goes against يعني, the, the major works of the actual author So again A side issue right But yes this does print Yes, it does affect the actual book that you're reading and that affects both English books and Arabic books. Before we finish and conclude mm. with Eid around the corner, mm. is there anything exciting or something which is standing out which we can recommend for our listeners and viewers to buy for Eid as a gift uh, from the books we're talking here? So I have two principles, three, a few things, right? Anything that's written by Ibn Taymiyyah, anything that's written by Ibn Qayyim, go for it. Just run wild. Just go. Bismillah. Then any of the hadith books, yani if you can, Bismillah. <coughs> go for it. Any of the hadith books, go for it. Um, yani something with a commentary, even better. Like for instance, 40 hadith, Sheikh Fawzan, or Shama'il Tirmidhi, um, Dar Arqam. Um, or even if you wanted to go for Riyad al-Salihin, Dar al-Salam edition, Salahuddin, Hafiz Salahuddin Yusuf's uh, Sharh. Go for it. Perfect books, you know, mashallah. Not I don't, when I say perfect, I don't mean perfection. Perfection is only for Allah subhanahu wa taala, but perfect gifts, really good gifts. Um, also, if someone wanted to read something, there are some really, really good books for Sheikh Abdul Razak and Abdul Muhsin Abad. There are some Hafizahullah Tabarak wa Taala. There are some amazing books by Sheikh Sulaiman Ruhaili, Hafizahullah. There are some uh, just Umar Al Ashkar. Any of his works, you can go for. It's in any field. Come see us at Darussalam. 
and I genuinely think on the website if you just know what you're talking know what you're looking for you'll find a gift for someone that you like we encourage by gift giving on Eid and mm. what's a better gift than beneficial knowledge especially the Quran and Sunnah my voice is about to completely go so we'll have to do a quick conclusion I'd like to thank Shah Farhan and inshallah we hope to have this podcast at least once a month inshallah ya so uh, please uh, spread the word and recommend it and share it with others I'd like to thank all the brothers and sisters for listening or watching today and until next time assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh this program was presented by Al Bayan Radio the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah